Come on, lift your hands to the Lord this morning. Just let the Holy Spirit breathe in you right now. In fact, I want you to take a deep breath right now. And as you exhale, cast away all your cares, all your worries, your sicknesses. Breathe in fresh the Spirit of the Lord this morning. God is here. God is in this place. You know, it's so easy to be in the presence of the master and not reverence him. The Pharisees were in the same room with Jesus, but only one woman, an uninvited, uninvited party crasher shows up. While everybody else was dining, talking, maybe thinking this Jesus is a phony, this party crasher got on her knees, poured out her heart. She didn't care what anybody else thought. In ancient Israel, for a woman to let down her hair meant she was releasing her glory. She was denying herself. God's looking for some people to let go of their reputation, their glory, their... Just get on your knees. She washed her feet, his feet with her own tears. She poured at the feet of the master her own brokenness, her worries, her cares, guilt, sickness. Poured it all at the feet of the master. Not looking for anything in return, she just wanted to let him know, I love you and I'm grateful for you. You loved me first. You knew me by name before I was in my mother's womb. Everybody else thought, thank God I'm not like that woman. Jesus thought, what a shame you're not like that woman. You think you're all right. You think you look good and you're awesome with a bag of chips on the side. Well, you're not. I'm sorry to tell you and remind you, you are dirt. From the dust you came and from the dust shall you return. For this woman, at the feet of the master, she poured out everything. Didn't matter what everybody else thought. The difference between everybody else and her, the other people, they knew the word. They could quote scripture. But this woman arrested the heart of the king of kings. She had the favor of the Lord. I don't know about you. And I don't know what's more valuable to you, your reputation or his favor. But if you favor him, I want you, if, if, you, if you don't care about your reputation this morning, I want you to lift your hands. Come on, sing that one more time. I want you to sing it with all your heart. Somebody cry, somebody shout, somebody jump, somebody run, somebody yell hallelujah, somebody declare I am healed, somebody shout I am forgiven. Oh God, I'm a child of the Lord and I'm no longer a slave to fear. 
How many believe it this morning? I'm a child of God. Grab somebody's hand this morning and declare, I am a child of the living God. The King, I found myself again. You are not an orphan. You are not a bastard. You are a child of the King of Kings. Because at the feet of the King, I find myself again. where we find ourselves, Lord, at your feet this morning. It's so great to be back home. I consider Anaheim my home because that's where my wife is from, or this is where she's from. This is the church where we got married, and this is where I come when I'm not in suburban Houston. I come here. And this is my church. And when I'm here, Pastor Joaquin's my pastor. And I only have that relationship with this church and one other church, another good friend of mine outside of New York City and Connecticut. And it's a special relationship I have with both of these churches. I don't share that with anybody else. So when I'm here, I'm, I'm glad to be home. I call this home. We've been away from our home church for a month now. My wife got sick, baby got sick, baby was in the ER, wife had emergency surgery. I got a sinus infection yesterday, but God's been good. You know, it says something about what God is about to do when the devil comes hardest against you. Amen. Now, I spent all of last year discipling our church. I told everybody, everybody's going to sit down, you're going to get discipled one year. And let me tell you, I've been gone for a month. And the church is telling me, Pastor, it doesn't even feel like you're gone. All of our leaders have been taking t uh, turns preaching, and they said they all preach just like you. I said, that's the point of discipleship. You pour out and multiply what God has poured in you. I'm not married to my phone wondering, is everything okay at the church? Everything's fine. God's in control. Amen. So we're here. We leave Wednesday, unfortunately. I remind our church, y'all pray hard because there's people that want us to stay in California. I go to New York, and there's people that want us to stay in New York. Oh, New York. <laughs> but we're glad to be here, and I'm honored to have Grandpa here with us. My wife's grandfather is also my grandfather. Amen. And why don't you give him a great big God bless you. He's uh, just loves the Lord. I'm just honored to have him here. I got to hit the ground running do this all the time. By the time I get preaching, they, they already give me the yellow cards and you're almost done. Deuteronomy chapter one, verses three to six. And if we could remain standing for the word of God, amen. Yeah. Hey, look, in Ezra's days, they stood for hours in the rain, hearing the word of God in the rain, men, women, and children. There was nothing like, oh, I can't come. My child has the flu. 
Everybody stood in the presence of the Lord for the reading of the word of God for hours. Let me, let me tell you something. The more you reverence God, the more you provoke God to want to move in our, in our midst. Because God can't move where there's no holiness. When we reverence him, we prepare the atmosphere for him to come in and move. For him to heal the sick. For him to set the captive free. When you have Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 3, 3 to 6, please say amen. And the word of the Lord declares, now it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month that Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him as commandments to them. Let's put this together. It is the 11th hour. The last month, we're, we're, we're getting ready to start a new year here in Deuteronomy 1. Israel had been in the desert for 40 years. This is now the 40th year. That means they are on the precipice of something big. Something is about to change. And because something's about to change, God speaks to Moses. And now Moses is going to tell the people what God had told him. That's what we do as pastors. Amen? So how many are listening? Verse 4 says, and after he had killed Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who dwelt in Astroth and Edre, on this side of the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law, saying, are you ready? The Lord, I want you to read this out loud with me. The Lord, our God, spoke to us in Horeb, saying, you have dwelt long enough at this mountain turn to somebody and let them know you've been in this stage of your life long enough now come on turn around look at somebody you're doing this by faith be a doer of the word not just hearer turn to somebody else let them know enough is enough it's time to move on You've been praising here. Enough is enough. It's time to praise up here. Amen. You've been giving here. Some of you here. Some of you down here. It's time for you to give up here. I'm not just talking about finance. I'm talking about your everything. Everything about you. You've surrendered this much to God. It's time to surrender everything to God. Your prayer life has been down here. It's time to make it up here. So turn to somebody else and say, enough is enough. Shout it out. It's time to move on. Say it like you're preaching to your neighbor. It's time to move on. You've been at this stage too long. You done cried too long already. It's time to move on. Enough with the sickness. Enough with the prayerlessness. Enough with the complaining. It's time to move on. It is the word of the Lord. Father, I thank you, Jesus, for your word. It's your word. It's not mine. It's already anointed. I just ask you, my sweet king, 
that you would back up your word today in the hearts and ears of your people. Lord, my God, I feel like I can't even preach. Your presence is so strong. Back up your word with the signs, the miracles, and the wonders that prove that you are God. Let faith rise up in this place and let the enemy and every doubt and fear and sickness and disease, every chain and every shackle, doubt, depression, oppression, anxiety, aggression and unforgiveness and murmuring and complaining and complacency. Lord, let all these things run like cowards this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And I publicly promise you, Lord, all the glory and the honor. All the power and all the majesty is always yours, now and forever in Jesus' name. So, Lord God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, let it be made known this day that you are God. You may take your seats, but shout, it's time to move on. Israel had been in the desert for 40 years walking around in circles and circles. They were trying to follow God according to what they thought they needed to do. But after walking around in circles for so many years, they finally came to a place where they were stuck in a rut. Imagine circles after circles going through the same thing over and over and over again same drama same circumstances same financial problems over and over and over again circles after circles cycles after cycles and when you finally think you're moving forward you get stuck that's what happened in Israel they got stuck they came to a standstill at Mount Horeb now, Mount Horeb was referred to as the mountain of God. And, and some people believe, most scholars believe, Mount Horeb is the same as Mount Sinai. It is where God spoke to Moses and therefore also to Israel. But what's interesting about the name Horeb is that Horeb in the Hebrew is translated as the desolate place. That means there's nothing there. Nothing grows there. There's, there's no resorts or casinos or hotels or, come on somebody. There's no diners. There's, there's nothing but God. It is the place where God takes you when he wants to get you alone. When God removes all the distractions out of your life, you're worried about nobody talking to you no more and, and you're not the most popular person on Facebook and, and nobody's calling you and God's just trying to say, look, I brought you to a desolate place so that I can deal with you one on one. This is the place where I can speak to you without distraction. There is no distractions there. It was a desolate place. Nobody was there but God. 
Now I suspect this morning as I release this word that many of you have been like Israel going around in circles and circles in your life, going through cycles and motions in your life, the same situations, same sicknesses, same financial circumstances. And now you came to a season where it feels like everything has come to a standstill and there's nobody to help you. But I'm letting you know this morning God is here. I said, I'm letting you know this morning that God is here. It's just you and God. Turn to somebody and let them know it's just you and God today. Here's what happened to Israel. They got to Horeb. Moses went up to speak to God. You see, there are two kinds of believers at Horeb. Those that stay at the base and say, well, pastor's not here. Well, it's raining. Guess we're not going to church today. Well, the offering basket didn't come to me. I guess I'm not sowing nothing today. It wasn't of God. Listen to me. God ain't going to make everything easy for you. This is the year where God is going to mold your character. Because enough is enough. I said enough is enough. You are at the precipice of a major change in this church and in your life and in your family. Change is needed. And the change that you are expecting God is going to do, God said, I'm waiting on you. The change has got to begin inside of you. God never blessed nobody in the Bible till he molded their character. You don't believe me? God could not make Joseph governor over Israel till he put him through the pit into Potiphar's house and into the prison. The way to the palace is the pit, Potiphar's prison, then the palace. Because it was in there, in, in those circumstances where God molded Joseph and then qualified him to become governor. Because the greatest test Joseph faced was not the pit. The greatest test was not at Potiphar's house with Potiphar's wife. The greatest test was not in the prison where he was innocently thrown. The greatest test was when he was in the palace surrounded by money and glory and power and military officers. And when he saw his brothers that betrayed him, he could have had them killed. He had the power and the authority, the money and the means to kill his brothers. That was the greatest test. Where instead of killing them, he forgave them. We just want to hear God's going to put us in the palace. Forget the pit. Forget Potiphar. We definitely don't want the prison. And God says there's no other way. You want to be in the palace? I have to mold your character so that your blessing doesn't corrupt you. Because the real test is, see, here's the thing. Poverty can hold you back, but riches can kill you. Amen. Talking to everybody that bought them Powerball tickets. $1.5 billion. You know why God didn't give it to you? Because he didn't trust you with it. Don't worry, God, I'm going to give you a million. You don't even give God a dollar. You think God's going to give you a million? 
God's a good daddy. He knows his children. And he doesn't give anything to his children that will corrupt you. Until he can mold you. And form your character. That's why he deals with us with things like money. Because he wants to make sure money is not your God. That your, your iPad and all those things, that's not your God. God is your God. That's why he takes you to Horeb. Everybody has a Horeb experience where God takes everything away. It's just you and him. But now what do you do when you're at Horeb? Moses was the one who decided to climb up the mountain and talk to God. Is that you? Or are you the people at the base who said, well, the pastor's not here. Let's get all our gold, everybody, and make ourselves a golden calf. We're winning the Powerball today. Which one are you? Are you the shiny golden calf people? Or are you the one person on top of the mountain that says, God, show me your glory. I had it all. I was a prince of Egypt. But I don't care about the riches. I want you. I want you more than life itself. Israel got comfortable at Horeb. That's why they made themselves a calf. They got comfortable. And sometimes we get comfortable. But it is in that desolate place where God can instruct you. Where God can teach you. I don't want God to just give me a word. I want God to teach me. Instruct me, Lord. Show me. So that I know what to do and how to do it. But a time came when Israel got so comfortable at the mountain. They were there. They got comfortable. And God said to Moses, let the people know enough is enough. You've been at this stage in your life far too long. You've been at this desolate place far too long. This wasn't meant to be permanent. It was meant to be a temporary place. A place where you can receive instruction from God. Be free of all the distractions of the world. And then move on with the presence of the Lord. Let me tell you something. Israel was concerned about a golden calf. God had a promised land. God had something bigger for them than they had imagined but they couldn't see it because they were distracted with the everyday things of their lives it's time to move on look at somebody and say it's time to move on some of you have been in a season of depression some of you have been in a season of heaviness and oppression some of you have been in a season of mourning or sickness some of you have been in a season of discouragement and prayerlessness some of you have been in a season of financial trials or you have been in a season of strife and, and all kinds of things anxiety and stress God is letting you know today enough is enough Look at three people and say, get up and move forward. I said, it's time to get up and move forward. Now, I want you to understand, Israel was walking around in circles. 
Israel was walking around in circles repeating the same thing they've always done. Let me tell you something. If you keep praying the way you've always prayed, that little half-hearted, microwavable, in-and-out prayer that you do, then you're going to get the same old microwavable results. And I'm going to let you know right now, a microwavable hamburger is not like the real thing. If you are willing to get in the presence of God and spend some time with God, some real time with God, not that half-hearted, silly stuff. Look at somebody and say, it's time to grow up. If you want God to take you to the next level, you can't do what you've been doing before. Something's got to change, and that change needs to begin in your life today. Today is the day. I said today is the day for change. When we can say to God with 110% of our hearts, I surrender God. Today is the day to surrender. See, Israel hadn't fully surrendered. Look, they saw, they saw a pillar of cloud by day. You want to talk about manifestation? We can talk about manifestation of the Spirit. They saw the manifestation of the Spirit. They saw a pillar of cloud by day. They saw a pillar of cloud by night. My God, they saw the ocean open up. And yet they still walked in circles. Listen, God is not a God of experience. He is a God of process. Your experience with God, it does not equal the process that God is trying to take you through in your life. Israel had supernatural experiences, but they would not allow God to process them. That's why they, the Bible says they were a stiff-necked people. God said, turn, turn right. They were looking left. Messed up my beard in that one. Look at somebody and say, God's not a God of experience. He's a God of process. It's the process that God takes you through that is going to mold you, not the experiences you have. The experiences are powerful. That's testimony. That's, you'll never forget those. But that's not what you will survive off of. You survive off the processes that God takes you through when he's molding you. Look at verse 7. How many believe it's time to move on? How many believe it's time to move on? It's time to move on. Now, I'm waiting for somebody with faith this morning. I didn't come to patty cake with you. I could have stayed home with this here sinus infection. I came to preach to you this morning. How many are ready to move on? You can't stay here no more. I'm not talking about this church. Get it right. I'm not prophesying to you. God's telling you it's time to leave a God house of prayer. I'm telling you, God is telling you, it's time for you to just stop sitting in your chair and start getting involved in the kingdom of God. Stop being a spectator and start being a participator. Apoco, this is funny. 
People will be like, oh, we won the Super Bowl. No, you didn't. The team won. They were the ones playing. You just watched it. You just ate your wings and sat by your TV and watched it. You didn't do nothing. You didn't do nothing. You win the Super Bowl when you're in the game. You touch the ball. Your feet touch the crown and you run. Get in the game. Stop being a spectator. Look at somebody and let them know. God bless you, Chris. In the name of Jesus, start being a participator. You didn't tell you look, I got a bunch of spectators right here. Look at somebody and tell them. In the name of Jesus, start being a participator. You're still not doing it. Do it. I'm telling you, do this in faith. Bunch of spectators at the church, that ain't never going to accomplish nothing. Spectators at the church, that's Old Testament rebellious Israel stuff. The participators is the New Testament church in the book of Acts. Those are the participators. That's why the power fell. That's why the sick were healed. That's why the captive were set free. It's time to move on. You've been on this mountain far too long. Shout, move on. Verse 7 and 8. You ready? Now what do we do? All right, we got to move on. Well, what good does it do it if we say we're going to move on and then we don't know what we're doing? See, this is where God gives instruction. God doesn't just give you a vision. He gives you instruction on how to accomplish the vision. That's what I've been teaching our church for the past year. Taught the church our vision. Said enough is enough. Y'all got to start participating. I don't even ask for volunteers anymore. I say, you're going to preach Wednesday. You're going to preach Sunday. You're collecting the offering. And you know what they say? They say, praise the Lord. God already gave me a word. Because they've learned to become disciples. And I hear they preach just like pastor. Praise the Lord. Shout, move on. Turn and take your journey. Everybody get up on your feet. Well, my hip hurt. Get up and God might heal you right now. <laughs> Let me tell you, yesterday I was as sick as a dog. We say dog in Texas. I'm not even Texan. I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm, from, I'm a Philly boy. I was as sick as a dog yesterday. And finally, I got so mad. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I said, enough is enough. Jumped in the shower, started praising the Lord. Hey, it's in the bathroom where whatever's not a God comes out. Amen, right? I said, this sickness got to go. It got to go. And I came out of that shower. I felt healed. I got in the word. I said, yes, Lord, I'm excited for tomorrow. Turn. turn see the first thing you got to do is if you want change it's time for you to turn 
It's time for you to turn some things around. You got to start it. God didn't say, look here, everybody. I'm going to do it for you. Just stretch your hands out. He said, turn. So turn. Turn somewhere. Anywhere but where you were already looking. Turn. And take your journey. Come on, somebody get out of your chair real quick. Take your journey. Then he says, and go to the mountains of the Amorites. That's the enemy's camp. And if you know anything about mountains, you don't start at the top, you start at the bottom. Look at somebody and say, it's going to be hard work. But you, you are called to get into the enemy's camp. To all the neighboring places in the plain, the mountains, the lowland, the south, the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, as far as the Euphrates River. The land God originally gave to Israel was bigger than the United States. Let me give you a little parenthesis here. You know why Israel didn't have it all? Because they didn't like what they saw. They saw desert. And you know what? They didn't realize that God was giving them money. It was beneath the ground. It's called oil. All that oil would have belonged to Israel. But because you were looking in the natural, you missed out on what God had for you in the supernatural and for the future. Some people got that. Then look at verse 8. God said, I have set the land before you. Here it is. Promised land. Here it is. Somebody receive it. I got a blessing for you. You want it? But then look what God says. Go in and possess the land which I swore to your fathers, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, to give to them and their descendants after them. You want the blessing? Go get it. You want the victory? Go get it. You want the job? Go get it. You want the girl? Go get her. This isn't kindergarten stuff. You got to look at somebody and say, you got to step up. You're single, she's single. Hey. Look at, look at a brother and say, come on, step up. Amen. Amen. You're not going to get no victory. You're not going to get a blessing being a spectator. Doing the same old, same old you've always done. You want the definition of insanity? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting new results each time. We're moving forward. That's not so glow wonder. You want to move forward, stop walking into the same situations over and over. Turn and take your journey. Go in and possess the land that God has set aside for you. Shout, move on. God gave it to you. You got to go and conquer it. Take your seats. Go ahead. Or at least try. 
James 1, 21, 22 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Huh. Guess what? How many are going to start a new journey today? Amen. Well, somebody give me that here book bag I brought in. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. You're going to start a new journey. You're on a new journey. How many are ready to move on? But see all these distractions, all the sin, that's the stuff that's been causing you to walk in circles year after year. God's saying, look, it's time to lay that all aside. Put it down. That's not a part of you no more. Not after today. Put it aside and be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because you're doing nothing but deceiving yourself. We got a bunch of Facebook Christians. You put a bunch of memes on Facebook and you don't even live half the stuff you post. We got people talking about, oh, forgive and put aside the hate of the devil. And they're the first ones who have unforgiveness. Amen. Amen. Don't just be a hearer of the word. It's time to be a doer. You see, last circle, last cycle you went through, you were just a hearer. Today, God is telling you, if you're going to move forward in your life, in your marriage, with your children, in your family, in this church, with this city, it's time for you to be a doer. The difference between last year and this year, last year you was a spectator. No, I wasn't, Pastor. I worked hard. But, you know, every time I came to church and blah, 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 and somebody didn't say hi to me, and, every, and I was always the first and the last person at the... Look, if you're complaining, you're a spectator. Amen? Amen? It's time to raise up some prayer warriors and disciples. Come on, somebody. Look at what Jesus said, Matthew 7, 24, 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, I want you to understand something. In the word of God, you hear both the word hear and listen. And sometimes the translations have kind of been used in, in uh, not the most accurate ways. What do I mean by that? There's a difference between just hearing and there's a difference with listening. Hearing is like you hear noise. It goes in one ear and out the other. Listening, which is what Jesus is actually saying here, is where you hear, but you hear with a focus. You're digesting what's coming into your ears. You're focusing on it. You're going to put it in practice. So say listen. So if you listen to these hear sayings of mine, and you do them. That means if you're not just a hearer but a doer, I will liken you unto a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Is that anybody here this morning? If your house is not built upon the rock, that's because you're only a hearer and not a doer. Where are all the men in here? Raise your hand, men. Amen. You are charged. You are charged with guiding, protecting, and providing and teaching your family. Your wife is not the chief teacher in the family. You are. 
You are. You teach your family how to pray. You teach your family how to read the word of God. You lead by example. See, we got to be participators. Come on, somebody. I said, come on, somebody. So if you listen and obey what Jesus is saying, then he says, you're like a wise man who built this house upon the rock. Look, the trial comes, the rain descended, flood came, winds blew, beat on the house. Tax bill came, water bill came, SPCA showed up, the ex showed up, the lawyer said, the doctor said, but your house will not fall because you are founded upon the rock. Because you listen and you obey. Are you hearing this morning? You got to listen and obey. Not just listen. You can't just come in here and listen to the word. Wow, what a wonderful preaching. Oh, pastor was annoyed. Ooh. Lord spoke. Hey. And then you go back home and you go into the same cycle over and over and over again. Enough is enough. Look at somebody and tell them that. To listen and obey, are you ready for this? It's called something in the Bible. You know what the Bible calls it? Faith in action. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? The word of God, right? But when you listen and you obey, that's faith in action. Now you're taking your faith and you're putting it into action. Obedience is faith in action. You want God to bless you? Obey. Listen and obey. You want God to prosper you? Listen and obey. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Listen and obey. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. You understand what Paul is saying here? Faith has to walk. Look, I'm not just preaching. I'm trying to teach you something this morning. Faith is not just listening. It's walking. What's walking? Walking is action. Amen? Everything God spoke, God put it into action. You understand? God didn't just say he was going to do something. He did it. He started it. He's doing it. Well, I don't feel nothing. I don't see. Well, it doesn't go by your feelings. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. It's not by what I feel. It's not by what I see. Because what I see could be contrary. I am obeying what God said regardless of what the circumstances around me look like. I knew a pastor in Guatemala, God had said to him, you are going to start a radio station. He said, okay, Lord, I don't know how, but I'm going to do it. Church got together, they sold tamales and did everything they could to get the money for the license. He went to the ministry of telecommunications and he said to the guy, God told me I need to start a radio station. The guy said, give me here your application, took the application. And he took it and put it at the very bottom of a big stack of papers on his desk. He said, bye-bye, I'll see you in a couple of years. The pastor left sad and discouraged. And on his way home, God said to him, why are you discouraged? 
And he said, Lord, this minister guy took the application and put, him at the, put it at the very bottom, at the oldest part of the list. Said, I'll see you in a couple of years. How am I going to do what God said? God said, if I said so, it is so. Look at somebody and say, if God said so, it is so. We walk by faith, not by sight. See, when you participate with God, God is obligated to fulfill his word because God will never be called a liar. Take God at his word. God said, give me 21 days. Fast and pray 21 days. And I'm going to give you the license. And I'm going to give you the finances. So what do you got to do? Listen and if God said fast 21 days, what are you going to do? Sit there and say, well, you know, I took the paperwork, but I was going to fast, but it's my daughter's birthday. And, you know, if God said so, it is so. I listen and obey. So he got on his knees, began fasting, praying 21 days. At the end of 21 days, God said, go back to the ministry of telecommunications. He went back. He stood in line for three hours wondering, God, why would you bring me back here? God said, stay put. Stay in this line because today this radio station is going to be bored. So God stood. he stood in line as God told him. He went up to the desk. And the guy said, oh, it's you again. I told you, it's going to be a couple of years, eight to ten years at least. And then suddenly the guy's boss came out and said, I've been receiving, this is all happening in front of the pastor, I've been receiving complaints about you that you're not doing your work. The guy said, well, you know, look at this stack. of." And the boss says, I don't care about the stack of papers. Now you take that stack, you turn it upside down, and take the oldest one at the bottom, and you process that one right now. The pastor got the license that day. Four days later, some couples from the United States said God had spoken to us that we are to sow into a radio station that you are building. They didn't even know him. But if God said so, it is so. The church today has 40,000 members, three radio stations. Their youth ministry alone has almost 6,000 youth today. Because if God said so, it is so. If you will listen and you will obey the word of God, God will back up his word. Shout enough is enough. If you still don't believe me, look at Deuteronomy 28. Now it shall come to pass if you half-heartedly obey the voice of the Lord your God. Is that what it says? Shout it out. Shout it out. One more time. If you obey. What's diligently? You're consistent. You're focused. You're on top of it. You don't wake up one morning and say, oh, okay, God, whatever. 
God's trying to build up your character because God's trying to bless you. God wants to move this church to another level. And let me tell you something right now. I'm going to tell you this as a pastor. You can't look at this church and say, well, that's Pastor, pastor Jaquan's vision. I call you Jaquan, by the way. <laughs> My sisters had a hard time saying Joaquin, so they started saying Jaquan. Pastor Jaquan. Well, that's his vision. Let him do it. It's not just his vision. This is not his church. This is the Lord's church. You're a part of it. He just happens to be the under shepherd who is father over this house. But you are still a member of this house. And God will not allow you to sit there and be a spectator. doesn't mean everybody's going to grab the microphone. Amen. But you can go to one of the breakfast meetings. You can be a part of it. You can go visit the people in prison. You can be part of frontline dance ministry up here. Come on, somebody. You can come in and vacuum the church, sweep up the church. How many of you are sitting in here right now? Nobody. I'm talking an empty room. How many of you are sitting in here right now? Let me tell you something. You're using up heat and electricity. You're using up lights and air conditioning. The least we could do is stop robbing God and tithe into the storehouse the way God said. I'm a member of this body. When I was at my home church in Philadelphia, I never looked at my pastor and said, well, that's his vision. That's his problem. He got to come up with it. No, I'm a part of the family too. And what hurts my pastor hurts me too. And if it, that's his vision, it's my vision too. And if he's called to fulfill that vision, that means I'm called to fulfill that vision too. I want to be a part of it. And whatever I can't do personally, my finances can go for me. At the time, I couldn't do missions trips, but I could sew. I could sew. Had somebody, the whole missionary team was going to Venezuela for two weeks. One person didn't have their plane ticket. I wanted to go. God said, you go to the ATM, you take out the cash, and you buy him his plane ticket. Right now, get up and go. And I went and I did it. I went and I did Listen and obey. A month later, I got a promotion at my job. What the ticket cost me was the exact percentage my raise was. God is good. When you listen and you obey, God will back up his word. Amen. Amen. $1.5 billion. How many believers went out there and bought themselves I heard people, well, I bought $60, I bought $20, I bought $100. I'm going to tell you right now in the name of Jesus Christ of now, I'm telling you with the authority of the Lord, you went out there and you bought yourself a ticket. Today, you better give God double what you gave the world. That ain't right. That ain't right. 
You want to be blessed beyond measure? God said, bring the tithes into the storehouse and see, I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour out a blessing. The Lord said, give and it shall come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give unto your bosom till you have no room enough to receive it? He said, give God the first fruit and he will increase your storehouse and your wine presses will overflow. That's what God says. Listen. Listen. Shout it out. Listen and listen and shall come to you if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord. To observe, shout it out, carefully, some, all his commandments, which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Then he said, and these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the, I need a strong man. You got a good back, come on over here. He said, these blessings, when you listen and you obey, right? right? So if God says, give, what do you do? Give. If God says, go, what do you do? Go. If God said, get off this mountain, what do you do? So God is now saying, when you listen and you obey, you are careful and diligent to listen and obey to the voice of the Lord. I will cause these blessings to come upon you. You don't need the Powerball. You don't need the California lottery. It ain't, this is beyond your own job. When you listen and obey, God said, I will bless you. It's going to look like this. He said, the blessings will come upon you. And then it says it's going to overtake you. Do you know what overtake looks like? Give me a football stance. <laughs> he said it's going to come upon you. And it's going to overtake you. <laughs> That's how God means to bless you if you will listen, if you will obey the voice of the Lord. Get off this mountain now. Let me go really quick. I ran out of time. Ran out of time and breath. God just overtook you, bro. It overtook me too. Israel did not obey. That's why they walked around in circles. If you've been walking around in circles in your life, I'm going to tell you today, it's time for you to listen and obey the voice of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10, 6 to 11 tells us, I'll paraphrase it here. The Old Testament Israel was an example to us so we don't do the same thing. Look at what Israel did. 
they had lust in their hearts. Lust is not just something sexual. Lust is a desire for anything that is outside of God's will. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Lust is not just looking at somebody else's wife. Lust is looking at an ice cold, sweaty can of Michelob and saying, that's lust. If I preach too hard, just go ahead and sit down. If you're all right, shout to the Lord, amen. amen. He said, don't be idolaters like they were. What's idolatry? It's not just bowing in front of a statue. It's anything that takes the place of God in your heart. That could be your wife. It could be your husband. It could be your job. It could be the zeros behind your paycheck. Come on, somebody. It could be the church. The church could be an idol to you. Nothing and no one can take the place of God in your life. Look what else Israel did. Fornication. That's sexual immorality. Oh, yeah. God's looking. God knows. Tempting the Lord. What's tempting the Lord? It's trying to get God to bless you for doing something that is not right in God's word. Well, Lord, if you let me win the Powerball, I'll sow into the ministry. $1.5 billion. Hey, look, even I was tempted. The devil said, if you are a son of God, take this here lotto ticket and build a new church. And I said, man shall not live by lotto tickets alone, but by every word that cometh out of the mouth of God. Get thee behind me, Satan. Come on, somebody. Tempting the Lord. Murmuring. The new King James says complaining. The original King James, the original Greek says murmuring. People murmur too much. Did you see that in them new shoes pastor was wearing? Ooh. Ooh, he bled. Then they ask in the church to give more money, more, more, more money. Shut your mouth because every time you murmur, you are bringing a curse upon you and your family. Israel received the promises of God. They received a promise. It's like receiving a check. But they could never cash it in because they were disobedient. You hearing me? This isn't, oh, God's still going to do it. No, no, no. You better obey. That's what he's saying this whole time. Listen and obey. Then these blessings will come upon you. You'll be blessed in the city and in the country. And you're going to and in you're coming from. Your animals will be blessed. Your storehouse will be blessed. Your bank account will be blessed. Your wife, your children will be blessed. Your footsteps are blessed. Whatever you touch is blessed. You are blessed when you listen and obey. You want to walk in victory? Listen and obey. Murmuring brings destruction. Or do we have to look in the book of Numbers 
when Korah thought he knew better than Moses and all the wise princes of Israel started murmuring against the leader, God said, I'm done with these folks right here. God opened up the ground and swallowed them up because God will not tolerate murmuring. Let me teach you something. You want to walk in victory? Let me tell you something I taught Humble Worship Center. There is a difference between obedience and submission. Obedience is your reaction to what authority tells you to do. Amen. And the Bible says you are to obey under every circumstance except one. That is if you are told to do something that is against what God said in his word. That is the only time God says you can disobey. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The only time they disobeyed was when they stood in front of Nebuchadnezzar, Hebrew Nebuchadnezzar. They stood in front of Nebuchadnezzar and said, we cannot bow down to this statue. We will not bow down to this statue because it violates the word of God. That's still obedience to God. Submission is different from obedience. Obedience is your reaction to authority. But submission is the attitude of your heart towards those in authority. And guess what? You are allowed to disobey in one circumstance. When it, comes to, when it comes down to the word of God, somebody tells you to do something against the word of God, then you can disobey. But you are always expected to submit. And the reason why so many believers are not blessed is because we have a lack of submissive people in the kingdom of God. Submission is not obedience. Submission is the attitude of your heart towards those in leadership. And let me tell you something. God will weed them people out because God loves his kingdom so much he will not let a handful of Korahs bring destruction into the kingdom are you hearing me this morning again Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego they obeyed and the one time they disobeyed was because they were told to do something against the word of God but look at their submission they said your majesty we will not bow down to your statue. The Lord our God will save us. And even if he does not save us, we still won't bow down to your statue. Look at the submission. They disobeyed, yes. But it was right in the eyes of God. But they also stayed submitted, even though the leader was wrong. They still say submitted. They called him your majesty. They spoke to him with respect. They didn't say, you dirty old fool. I'm a believer. I ain't going to do what you said to do. I'm going to send you to the pits of hell. You're going to burn in the pits of hell. They didn't go around in circles, screaming out in tongues, cursing the man. They called him your majesty. They stayed submitted, though they disobeyed because God comes first. And that's why God blessed them. Look at someone and say, learn character. Learn character. If you're going to receive the fulfillment of God's promises, some things need to change. It needs to begin today in our hearts. There's a difference between believers and disciples. How many here are believers? Let me tell you what a believer is, a hearer of the word. Yeah, we hear. That's why, you know, we believe. I go out to the street, talk to any old drunk person. You believe in God? Yeah, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I believe. I know you believe, but are you a disciple? Are you a follower? Do you do what the master did? Do you live according to the master's way? 
that's a disciple. Peter started off as a believer. He heard, he saw, he believed. But when times came, became tough, he denied Jesus three times. Yeah, you believe in God until things get tough, right? Hey, God's a provider, right? Hey, until the Powerball gets $1.5 billion. But then a moment came in Peter's life when something needed to change. Fire fell from heaven. They were in an upper room. I was in the upper room in Jerusalem. I still felt that same fire present today as it was 2,000 years ago in that place. The fire of God fell. See, when you get touched by the Holy Spirit for reals, your life will never be the same again. Some people say, I saw God. I felt God. You're still running around doing the same old cycles you've done before. You ain't feel God. When you feel God, when you saw God for reals, your life will never be the same. Moses was never the same. Jeremiah, Isaiah, they were never the same. Peter was never the same. He denied the master three times when times got tough. But a day came when the fire of the Holy Spirit fell upon him and the brother was changed forever. He got up and started preaching and 3,000 got saved in one day. And later another 5,000 got saved. This was never including women or children. Because when you listen and obey, God will back up his word in your life. It's time for you to get off this mountain and move on. Let go of the sin. Let go of all this mess. And finally, a man with this. Go back to Deuteronomy 1, 9 through 11. I'm going to close with this. Get ready, worship team. Get ready, church. Because God's about to release an anointing upon this house. I'm tell you right now, if you got to go, go ahead and go. Because God's about to move in here. And you may have to climb over some folk. On your way to the car, just go ahead and go. Grab somebody's hand right now. I don't care if you don't know the person. Grab somebody's hand. Everybody grab hands. Everybody. Make a chain all around this church. Three years ago, I was preaching at this church. And the Lord had me speak over this congregation and say that God had given the city to this church. I'm here to remind you, man of God, that God did not forget about his promises. God didn't just say that to Pastor Joaquin Jaquan. God is saying that to you too. You are a part of this church. You got to stop being a spectator and start being a participator. You have to start finding out how you can volunteer and help out. I don't care if it's feeding the homeless. That's still honorable and awesome in the eyes of God, just as much as holding this microphone. There are people that hold the microphone that wouldn't do those things. You know how I started preaching? Being a plumber at the church, plunging the toilets. Hey. 
God said, you want to learn how to be a pastor? The first thing, lesson number one, roll up your sleeves. You know why I roll up my sleeves? Because it's a reminder. This is my constant reminder that pastors, we have to roll up our sleeves. We got to get down and dirty. God spoke. It's time for you, church, to get off this mountain. You've been in this season, you've been in this station far too long. Your marriage has been in a rut far too long. Your prayer life has been stagnant far too long. The fire of the Holy Spirit in your life turned off far too long ago. You don't pray as much. You don't fast as much. You're not passionate. You're not as hungry as you used to. You're not as willing to freely give as God has blessed you. You're not as willing to forgive the way you used to. You're not as patient as you used to be. Enough is enough. You cried too long. You've been sick too long. You've been depressed and heavy burdened far too long. Enough is enough. It's time to move on. So God says to Moses, let the people know, may the Lord of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and blessed you as he has promised you. God said, I set out a promised land for you, but it's up to you to go get it. But so that you can go get it, God said, I'm about to bless you a thousand times more. There is an anointing of a thousand times more that God will pour on you so that you can fulfill what God said you're going to do if you listen and obey. Somebody shout a thousand times more. Come on, grab the person next to you. Hold their hand tight. Begin to believe God for an anointing of a thousand times more upon their life. You don't believe God will do it? Let me tell you, God can do it. God will do it. God will do it. Joshua had nothing but priests on trumpets. God said, I'm not sending you to send the army into Jericho. Blow your trumpets. There will be an anointing in those trumpets. When you listen and obey and sound the trumpets, the walls of Jericho will fall. Shout a thousand times more. God said to Gideon, you got too many people in this army. It's time to slim down the army. Just because it's big doesn't mean it's strong. I want the faithful. It's not about the numbers. It's about the quality of the people you got. This is an army right here. Are you hearing me, church? Gideon's 300 went against 30,000, and they won because there was an anointing shout of a thousand times more. Samson was surrounded by Philistines. 
And the Bible said Samson had no weapons. He just grabbed the jawbone of a donkey and he killed 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. It's not about the resources you got. It's not about your connection. It's about the anointing God has poured on you. When you get an anointing of a thousand times more, you can have the jawbone of a donkey and still kill a thousand Philistines. Shout a thousand times more. Jesus was faced with 5,000 men, not including women and children that were hungry. He had five loaves of bread and two tiny pieces of fish. Yeah. Yeah, the mortgage is big. Yeah, the bills are big. And yeah, the tithers are small. I'm a pastor. I know what it's like. You don't know what it's like. Pastors got to go home and they got to cry out to God because the need is for 5,000. But the resources, the tithes that came in are nothing but five loaves of bread and two pieces of fish. But when you got an anointing of a thousand times more, God will meet the need and there will be leftovers. Shot a thousand times more. God is saying to this church, it's time for you to get off this mountain, Agape. It's time for you to get off this mountain. I have a land for you to conquer, but you got to put action to my word. Get off the mountain and go north, south, east, and west and conquer the land, the territory of the enemy. It belongs to you. And there are no excuses. If Caleb at 80 years old could go and conquer a mountain with nothing but his cane, you can do it too. With an anointing, have a thousand times more. Lift your hands to the Lord. Enough is enough. 2016 is a powerful year for this church. But only if you decide to get up off this mountain and put God's word into action and conquer what God has called you to conquer. Stop being a spectator. Today, today surrender and say, Lord, I'm going to be a participator. I, for reals, I'm going to end with this one. God's just telling me I got to end with this one. I got to. Y'all don't know. I got to say this one. Because I just heard the Holy Spirit tell me right now. You can hear this word. And some of you are saying, we heard this last year. Randall, every year we hear, oh yeah, this is our year. But it never happens. <laughs> Debbie, every year we hear, oh yeah, yeah, it's our year. It never happens. I don't believe this guy. He's from Texas anyway. Don't believe me, believe God. Do me a favor, don't believe me, just believe God. If God said so, it is so. But I'm going to tell you this. This is where you are right now. On a lake. With an empty net. You've been fishing for hours. At the right time when you post to catch fish. 
but you ain't catch nothing. Now you're in that boat with all your murmuring friends, griping and complaining. Like Israel, Moses been gone 40 days. What's he doing up there? He left us. We would have been better off in Egypt. Don't let the devil take you back from where God just brought you out of. Don't go back to that same old cycle. You're on a boat. Pastor, come on, come on up here, Pastor. Johnny, come on up here. Give me your associates. Get, get pastor's associates. Come on up here. Pastor's leadership team, come on up here. Because enough is enough. We done been around this mountain long enough. I said to our church at the end of last year, I said, this is the last year we go around this mountain. Enough is enough. How many believe that for you and for this church? No, let, wait, stop, 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 stop. I don't need nothing half-hearted. I need people with faith. I don't need people that are just going to clap because it sounds good. I need the people that are going to clap because they're going to say to this man, sign me up. I'm going to help. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this vision fulfilled in this city for this church in this season. If that's you, then you can start clapping. You've been on this boat for hours. You didn't catch nothing. And that's okay. Because today's the day Jesus shows up and says, Trust me, cast your net one more time. Cast it on the right side, Jaquan. Just trust me. But Jesus, we done been here all morning. We ain't catch nothing, Lord. Good thing Jesus is Jesus. I would have just been like, shut up and cast your net or don't complain. Jesus said, look, Peter, this time the difference is I'm telling you to cast your net. Last time you cast your net on your own. This time I'm telling you, you cast your net. When you listen and obey, then you'll get my results. Cast your net. But Lord... I'm a fisherman. I know this. My, my daddy done did this. My grandfather done did this. I know that. I'm 20th generation fisherman. Today, you're going to get a revelation. So cast your net. I know you're tired. I know you're exhausted. I know you're discouraged. I know you're heavy burdened. I know you did this already. But do it. One more time. Come on, leadership. Cast your net. One more time. Cast your net. Do it. Do it in faith. Cast the net. Throw it out. Throw it out or I'm going to take you off the leadership board. Throw it out. (laughs) 
because you have to feel what he feels. You have to pray the way he prays and fast the way he fasts. You have to care for this church and this city the exact same way he does, with the same exact intensity and passion. That's why Israel started winning when Moses had his two friends help hold his arms up. You gotta feel what the man of God feels. You gotta stand where he stands so you can see what he sees. Cast your net. And when they did, they got an incredible harvest. That is the prophetic word for this church this year. Pastor, lift up your arms. I feel an anointing right now. It's not just his vision. If this is your vision too, you come on up and you hold this man's arms up right now. I don't care if you don't fit, just grab somebody. Hold up his arms. Because this isn't just his burden, it's yours. It's not just his vision, it's yours. What are you going to do to help accomplish this vision? Are you willing to sow time, effort of your own pocketbook? Are you willing to invite people to the church? Are you willing to say, yeah, I'll help to buy that new camera. Oh, yeah, I'll help to buy that new whatever it is. Foot pedal thing for the guitar thing. Yeah, I'll be there to fast and pray. It's not about the quantity of people. It's the quality of people. Enough is enough. You want God to move you off this mountain. You need to come bless this man first. Come sow that blessing so that you can receive. You may not be able to touch him. You might just touch somebody else. That's okay. Look, look at this chain all around here. Look at this chain. Lift him up, lift him up, lift him up. Lift him up, lift him up. Lift him up. Lift up the man of God. You know what my leaders told me? Each one of them that, that preached, they said to me, Pastor, it was the worst day of my life leading up to the preaching. The devil done hit me hard. I said, "That's you only preach one day. I preach every week. How do you think the devil hits me? That's what your pastor goes through. Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, could you not pray with me for just one hour? But when Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit, he didn't just pray for one hour. When the church prayed, the house began to tremble. We're going to pray. Awaken.
this church the devil has tried to cut this church down but it has not worked like the worst weed that keeps growing back over and over yeah this church has been giving the devil a heap of problems because it will not die it may get chopped but it always grows back but God said enough is enough. It's time to get off this mountain. Spirit of the living God, come fall afresh on me. Come awake me from my sleep. Blow Heavens of my soul, pour in me to overflow. Father, in the name of Jesus, because your word says that the anointing shall fall on Aaron's head and shall flow down his beard to the people. We are declaring 2016 a year of incredible growth over this church. Enough is enough. No more shall you go around this mountain. If you will listen and you will obey the voice of the Lord, you will conquer what the Lord has set aside for you. So let the anointing fall. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And let it fall from the head to the people of this church. 